Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Spiral. I'm your host, Zane Geiger, and on today's podcast, we're going to talk about New England's shocking decision to cut Cam Newton and to ultimately start Mac Jones for this upcoming NFL season. I'm going to break down why I think Cam got cut and how I think the Patriots are going to do with Mac Jones being the starter this year. And then my college football fanatics, we're getting into some college football today. I promise you guys college football, and today I'm delivering it, all right? I'm going to talk about my top five Heisman favorites and my five dark horse favorites for the Heisman uh, trophy this year. So with this being said, let's get it started. All right. So I'm guessing everybody was just as shocked as I was seeing the Patriots not only go Mac Jones as quarterback one, but the decision to cut Cam Newton. Um, If you've been watching my other podcast, I had Cam Newton going into the season as the uh, quarterback one in New England. I thought it made sense. Uh, I think he's showed special still. I thought, you know, like he's a former MVP. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's playing the big moments. Um, and this is a team ready to compete for the playoffs. And I just think, you know, it just made sense to start Cam because you know Cam can be special. Now, obviously, he's not still in his prime anymore. But even last year, he showed special. And then he got COVID and that kind of, I think, threw him off a lot. But with Mac Jones, you don't know if he can be special. You think he can be, but you haven't seen it. With Cam, you've seen it. So to cut Cam Newton and name Mac Jones to starter, who, by the way, he had a very good preseason. He had a very good training camp. Um, He's looked good. And so has Cam Newton. So this is just a big shock. Uh, I I definitely didn't see it coming. I know a lot of people in the sports world didn't see it coming. But let me tell you why I think Cam Newton got cut. Now, for football reasons... Cam has showed he could be special, but the problem is Cam being on, you know, at his very best, and it's great when he's when he's grooving, dicing people up, running the ball, and he looks really good. Cam Newton still can be a quarterback one, right? The problem is he has really high highs, but then he has really low lows. There doesn't seem to be a middle ground for Cam Newton. He's not like if he's not playing up to like his level of what he's been able to play at before. It's like he's kind of just straight trash and. I like Cam Newton. You know, I'm a big fan of his game. Like, he was a very exciting player. You know, he's dynamic. What he can do, it's truly special what he was able to do, right? But he wasn't ever really – he hasn't shown consistency with New England last year. Again, you know, like, he would look really good, but then he looked, like, honestly, the best way I can say it, like, just hot garbage. Like, there just didn't seem like there was a middle ground of Cam Newton. You know, and, and, and that's an issue. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not going to get Cam's best, you want him to at least be serviceable. But, like, it, it wasn't impressive. Now, again, I do think COVID threw effect into that. I think there's a, there were some issues with the Patriots roster, too, last year. Like, I do think there's reasons why I think he was a little inconsistent last year. So I do want to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't just him. I do think the Patriots roster and him getting COVID played a little bit of effect into it. But to be fair, that seems like that's kind of always been his career. Like, he's either really, really good or he's kind of, eh, like, not looking the best. Like, there didn't seem like there was ever just, like, a true him, like, being average. Um, but this being said, why do I think he truly got cut? Um, I'm going to be honest. I think it's because he didn't get vaccinated. And this could be controversy, uh, you know, controversial. But I'm just going to be honest. Bill Belichick has always been a team guy, right? Like, he likes team players. He doesn't like people being selfish. You know, buy into the team. This is the Patriots way. Now, Cam Newton's not vaccinated. Last year, um, you know, he got COVID and everything. Um, you know, a lot of players, like, last year got COVID. This was a big deal. So they implemented, you know, they got the vaccine now. A lot of players are getting vaccinated. Now, some aren't, but a lot of players are getting vaccinated. Again, it's your choice. If you want to get vaccinated, great. If you don't, Okay. 
it's just going to be a lot harder for you if you're not vaccinated, the way to have everything, the protocol set up, right? So Cam Newton is not vaccinated. And you saw just this past week where, you know, he had to be away from team facilities, I believe, for five days because of miscommunication on him and his COVID testing and what he was able to do and what he wasn't able to do and misreading and misunderstanding everything, right? Now, Bill Belichick, team guy, right? So if Cam Newton's your quarterback one, but he's not vaccinated, what happens if Cam gets COVID? He could potentially give it to a lot of the other team, can throw you guys off. Again, you're trying to win games. You're trying to be a playoff team. Losing your quarterback one, you know, for a potential game or two and him not bouncing back and being the same like he was last year, that's, that's big. Um, and again, you've seen some coaches favor players, I think personally, who are vaccinated, who aren't vaccinated. And if there's not a big difference between people, like Mac Jones and Cam Newton both looked really, really good in the preseason, right? Honestly, is it crazy to think maybe Mac Jones is vaccinated and it's like, hey, like Mac, Mac Jones is vaccinated. And I value that because he's not going to hurt the team if he gets COVID because there's less stuff that could happen. You know, like he got the vaccine, like he shouldn't really get COVID. Now, again, it's not 100%. Like you can obviously get COVID if you had the vaccine, just like if you don't have the vaccine, you, you may not get COVID. Um, but I think, honestly, Bill Belichick looked at Cam Newton not being a full team player because he didn't want to get vaccinated. Now, again, I'm not blaming Cam Newton for this decision. I, I just think that's ultimately the why he got cut because he wasn't vaccinated and it's coming off as him not being a team guy or in Belichick's eyes, I should say, not being a team player. Um, you know, like there's too much risk. Something could happen to him and hurt the team big time with, while with Mac Jones, he's looked impressive in training camp. He looked impressive in joint practices. He's looked impressive in the preseason. And I'm guessing Mac Jones is vaccinated. I, I can't confirm that for certain, but I believe he's vaccinated. And I think, you know, like there's not enough, there's not a lot of risk if you go Mac Jones. Like you're not worried about the COVID stuff with him. You're not worried about anything like that. With Cam, unfortunately you are and what that can do to the team. Now, is that fair to cut him because he's not vaccinated? I don't know. You know, it, it's Bill Belichick's decision ultimately. Um, you know, I don't know how this is going to pan out. Again, I still have the Patriots as a playoff team with the Mac Jones. I just think there's going to be a big learning curve. I do think out of a lot of the rookie quarterbacks that came out, I do think he was, I don't want to say the most pro-ready because I do think that was still Trevor Lawrence, but you can make an argument Mac Jones was the second most pro-ready guy coming into the draft. You, you just can't. Uh, I think he's going to translate well to the NFL. I think he's going to do well. Now, the problem is with Mac Jones, can he be special? Because with Cam, you knew he could be special, but you didn't know what you are going to get consistently out of him. With Mac Jones, you like to believe he can be special, but that's not for certain. And to flat-out cut Cam, I, I get it on the football side because Cam Newton, in my opinion, doesn't have – like, he doesn't come off as a backup quarterback, right? Like, his personality, everything he's done, you know, MVP, Super Bowl. Like, I think if you have him on the bench and name Mac Jones the starter and Mac Jones maybe struggles a little bit, people are going to, you know, argue put Cam in, put Cam in. That's his personality. That's who he is. I think he's done a lot to kind of, like, almost put a lot of pressure on Mac Jones to perform well because if not, people are going to be pressuring for Cam Newton to come out there. And I get it. Like, I get why you have to cut him for that reason. I do. Um... I don't know what this means for Cam and his future because I do think Cam has to be – like I think Cam wants to be a quarterback one. I don't know. I don't see Cam Newton as being a great backup quarterback. I just don't. Now, that's not to say he can't be. I just personally don't see it. I don't think he – like I, I just don't view Cam as a backup. I don't think he views himself as a backup. I think he wants to be a quarterback one. Now, if I was him, I saw the Cowboys have interest, I would honestly consider going to the Cowboys and being a backup. Solely because Dallas offense is elite, and with 
Dak Prescott's shoulder and injury, you don't know what could happen to him at any given moment. And if Cam can step into that offense with Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, that O-line, like, he could be exciting and prove himself and, you know, kind of, you know, put his name back out there and can show maybe he can still be a top quarterback. But, I, again, I don't know, like, if, if people want him to be a backup. It's going to be, I think, just who he is. It's hard to put him in that backup role. I think there are veteran quarterbacks who can do well and thrive in a backup role, while others it's a little bit more, it's a lot harder for them just because of their personality and who they are and everything. So, I don't know if Cam Newton's willing to accept the backup role. I don't know if teams are going to be super interested in him in a backup role. But I, I do think the Cowboys would be his best bet if he has to go to a team personally. Just because I do think it's not a bad opportunity that could present itself. Um, now you're banking on Dak getting injured, which I don't like personally. But it could very well happen. I think Cam Newton could definitely rejuvenate himself with Dallas. But... Um, I think it's still crazy that he got cut. And, and again, I do think it's for COVID reasons. I do think it's because he's not vaccinated. I do think that comes off to Bill Belichick as not being a team player. And it puts the team at risk. And again, uh, this, it's Mac Jones time now. And this is a lot of pressure for Mac Jones. Again, they're, they're considered a playoff team. A lot of people you know, have them as a potential playoff team. I have them at 11-6. So I do think they're going to be fine for a wild card spot. So, they can ease, so they're easily in the playoff discussion. Um. I like Mac Jones. I think he should be very accurate. But again, can he be special? Can he be dynamic? And I don't know if he can be. Um, I'm not necessarily betting against him, but I haven't seen it, and I like to see it to believe it. So just a lot of questions with him still and what he can do. I will say this, going against Miami week one, and again, I'm not trying to be biased here, but I am a Dolphin fan. Um, I do think that's going to be a hard struggle. Brian Flores is a great young coach, defensive-minded coach. He's going to bring blitzes. He's very dynamic with his blitz packages and sending pressure. I think it's going to catch Mac Jones off guard. I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure. And you're going to have to throw the ball accurate because Xavier Howard's a ball hawk, Byron Jones is a ball hawk, and they have great DBs all over the place. So I do think going against Miami and their defense right off the rip is, is very difficult. I liked Cam Newton against Miami because Dolphins typically struggle with mobile quarterbacks, but that's obviously not Mac Jones. So I do think Miami presents it presents Mac Jones a real challenge week one. Now, if Mac Jones looks impressive against Miami, I think that's a good sign for the Patriots. They don't necessarily have to win week one for Mac Jones to come out as a winner, in my opinion. Like, if they lose in a close win to Miami, but he looks impressive and makes just, like, a little bit of mistakes that, you know, like, maybe comes with nerves in the first start, like, that's okay. That stuff can be fixed and correctable. But I do think Miami week one does present a difficult challenge for Mac Jones, but it's also going to be a pretty good evaluation of him because he's not going to get some you know, scrub team or, you know, a bad defense. Like, he's going up against Miami, which is a very talented and deep defense with a great coach, um, you know, a d- great defensive-minded coach in Brian Flores. So, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what Mac Jones can do this year. Um, personally, I, I don't know if this puts him in the – I think this right now can put him in rookie of the year discussions because of how well I think the Patriots can do, and I, do, I know people value winning. So, Mac Jones could potentially have a really big year and, you know, can prove a lot of people – you know, Bill Belichick was right giving me the start, but, you know, it, it can go wrong very quickly in New England because this is a team that spent a lot of money in the offseason, you know, wants to be a playoff team. And I, and I think if they don't get the double-digit wins this year, it's going to be a little concerning if they went Mac Jones over Cam Newton, who, you know, potentially could have got them to the playoffs. But, you know, it's too early to see how this is going to play out right now. But as of right now, um, I think it's a little bit of a mistake not giving Cam Newton the week one start. But again, they both looked really good in preseason training camp. Um, 
joint practices. So at the end of the day, like it's not necessarily the wrong decision personally, but I would have gone Cam Newton just because I do think he provides that special and dynamic edge. And I just don't know if you're going to get down to Mac Jones. And I don't know if he has that. But that being said, um, talking about quarterbacks, we got to get into some Heisman talk, right? Uh, I know I've been promised to some college football for a while now. And the time is now. So coming up next, I'm going to break down, you know, my top five favorites for the Heisman Trophy Award this year and who I think has a legit shot of getting it. And I'm going to talk about some sleeper picks who some of you guys not realize if they catch a couple breaks with some of these quarterbacks and players I have listed, um, they could be up there in the Heisman. They could be leading their team to the playoffs. So um, that being said, let's get into it. All right. So like I said, it's college football time, baby. Uh, college football games start this Saturday. Now, they did start last week, but this is the big week, week one. Big games happening this Saturday. It's about to be intense for college football. Um, I personally love college football, and I know a lot of you guys do too. Uh, it's exciting. The environment's crazy. I, I think college football and NFL are completely different. Uh, I personally like the college football environment a lot more than I do the NFL. Like, I just think everything's more exciting, more intense. Like, I just, I don't know. It's something about college football that just gets me excited. So this being said, let's get into some Heisman football talk. So, right off the rip, I'm going to talk about my top five Heisman favorites. So, I'm going to start from number five to number one. So, at number five, I have JT Daniels out of Georgia. Now, I hate Georgia. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) That's just because I'm a Gator fan. But, give credit where credit's due. Georgia's well coached. They recruit at an elite level. Um, You know, they've been to the playoffs. You know, they just can't get over Bama. And JT Daniels was a talented quarterback who was at USC, transferred to Georgia, was kind of hurt last year, didn't start. And then within the last, I think it's four or five weeks, he got his turn. And JT Daniels impressed. It made people wonder why he didn't play a little sooner, right? So last year in Georgia, at Georgia, he had a 67 uh, completion percentage. He threw for 1,200 yards with 10 touchdowns and two interceptions. Now, in those games against Mississippi State, he threw for 401 yards. South Carolina, 139. Uh, Missouri, 299, so basically 300. And then against Cincinnati in a bowl game, he threw for 392 yards for one touchdown, one interception. So overall, 10, uh, out of four games, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's very impressive. And Georgia will have a very impressive you know, team. O-line's going to be good. They're having a good defense. Uh, they did lose one of their top young wide receivers this year with their ACL, but they're still pretty deep on the offensive end. Uh, they got the tight end transfer, uh, I believe Gilbert. Uh, he went to LSU and then transferred to the Gators and then transferred to Georgia. Very confusing, uh, but very talented kid. Uh, they have a lot of talent on offense. So he definitely can be very exciting. Uh, he can definitely do a lot of big things. Now, he isn't a dual-threat quarterback, so that could hurt him a little bit, but the potential for their, for him to have a big year Especially in the SEC where you're playing against top competition, uh, you know, like all season long. Uh, that can really help his Heisman uh, stock and, you know, how people feel about him and get votes. So I do think he's somebody to keep an eye on. At number four, DJ, and a last name I can't pronounce. He plays for Clemson. He's a Clemson quarterback. Um, I, I don't know how to say his last name, to be honest with you. And I really don't want to butcher it because I'm going to sound like an idiot. But his first name's DJ, all right? And he plays at Clemson. He was a rookie quarterback, or not a rookie, freshman quarterback last year. Ended up playing two games when Trevor Lawrence had uh, COVID, and he went one and one as a starter. Now, he is somebody who was a t- one of the top recruits. He's very impressive. Um, so last year in the two games he played, 
he against Boston College, he threw for 342 yards and two touchdowns. And then against Pitt, uh, not Pittsburgh, against Notre Dame in a loss that went to double overtime, he threw for 439 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he's impressive, okay? He is definitely impressive. Now, again, he's not a dual-threat quarterback. Um, he can be a little shifty with his feet, but he's a really good passer. And out of the two games he played, he looked very, very impressive on Clemson. And again, Clemson's a team who can recruit well. They're known, they have usually really good offense, good talented wide receivers. Now, he is young. He's not, you know, he's not the quarterback recruit Trevor Lawrence was, or, but he, and I don't think he was going to beat Deshaun Watson, but he has a lot of talent. And I think he showed it last year in uh, his two limited games he was able to play when he got his opportunity. And I think he can be truly special. I think he can lead Clemson to potentially a playoffs because it's the ACC. Division's not too hard, so I think he can put up really good numbers throwing the ball. Now, again, if Clemson's blowing people out because ACC's not good, I don't see him necessarily being able to stat pad a lot because they're going to put other people in there. But a lot of potential out of him. I'm really high on him. I think he could have a really big year. Um, so that's who I have at number four. At number three, I have Sam Howe. If you, if you don't know who he is, he plays at North Carolina, and he's an absolute stud. He probably has arguably the best deep ball in all of college football. He's very electric. He's really talented. In 2019, he threw as a freshman, he threw um, 3,600 yards, 61% completion percentage for 38 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Last year, he threw for it was not as good as his freshman year, but he threw for 68, uh, he had 68 completion percentage for roughly 35, almost 3,600 yards. So the yards were pretty similar. His average went up to 10.3 uh, yards attempt. And he had 30 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. So, obviously, not the same type of stats he put up the year before. But some of that, you know, COVID, games changing, everything like that. Uh, but the guy's talented. All right, I, he's probably going to be a top 5 draft pick next year. Um, he has a beautiful deep ball. They have some talented wide receivers. Now, they lost him to the draft, but they still have some talented wide receivers. And he can be dynamic. He's what, he's what could make North Carolina a really good team potentially an upset, you know, like a team that could upset people in the ACC against a Miami or Clemson um, because he's that talented at the quarterback position. He is that special. And I mean, when I say he has a beautiful deep ball, he does have the best deep ball in college football. I have no doubt about it. Um, he's a guy who's really talented. I'm really high on him. I think he has a lot of potential. Now, again, quarterbacks, typically, if you're dual threat, you have a lot better chance to win the Heisman. He's not dual threat. Uh, he's a you know, pocket passer, but he can put up an insane amount of passing yards potentially this year because I do think he's what makes the offense elite. Uh, they lost some running backs to the draft as well, so I do think they're going to put more pressure on him. I could easily see him throwing. I could realistically see him probably throw 42 to 45 touchdowns this year, uh, definitely go over the 4,000-yard throwing yards marker this year. So he can definitely put up some big numbers. Uh, so that's why I have him where I have him at number three. At number two, uh, this is a little bit of a risk, but I do think it's warranted. Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. Did not play at all last year. You know, um, you know, coming into Alabama, you've seen Alabama quarterbacks, you know, put up really ridiculous numbers to uh, Mac Jones. So, like, the potential for him to keep it going with the elite wide receivers that Alabama chugs out year after year after year uh, with the O-line, they have a run game, defense. Like, he's going to have opportunity to put up crazy numbers again. And he's going to play – now, he's going to play against some top teams in the SEC, but this man's talented. You know, like, there was a good chance he could have stole the job from Mac Jones last year. Um, but obviously, you know, Mac Jones won it and, you know, the rest is history, uh, champ, national champions. Bryce Young can keep that going. He's very dynamic. You know, he ha he's very talented throwing the ball. 
He does offer a little bit of dual threat ability. So he can definitely be special. Um, a lot of people like him. A lot of people are high on him. A lot of people think he can be the next great Alabama quarterback. Uh, they think he can be truly special. Like Some people think he's better than what Tua was. Mac Jones was at Alabama. Now, they were both elite quarterbacks in college football. So a lot of pressure on Bryce Young. But he definitely can do it. He's definitely talented. Um, realistically, uh, it's going so, to be so hard because Alabama loses talent a lot. And I think going against Miami and Florida early in the season could be potential losses. But I don't bet against Alabama and Nick Saban. I don't. I just think if you're going to beat them, the best chance is, is to beat them early because of how much NFL talent they've replaced year after year. But um, there might be like a little bit of a learning curve or kind of like a, like a little grace period where he has to figure everything out. And, you know, the whole team is because, you know, the, you know, year after year, they're losing an insane amount of starters to the NFL. So they, it takes them a little bit to get things going. But I think potentially he could get things going right off the bat against Miami and have a big game and shred a Miami defense. Uh, and if he can do that week one on a big spotlight against Miami going against uh, Derek King, you know, another really talented quarterback in college football, great dual threat quarterback, arguably the best dual threat quarterback in college football. I think he's in really good shape. Um, so I really like Bryce Young a lot, a lot of hype behind him. That's why I have him number two. Now it's a little risky. I think there's other guys that have a little bit below him um, that could arguably, you know, be ahead of him. But I just think Bryce Young has the potential to put up an insane monster year. And that's why I have him at number two. And at number one, no surprise here, Spencer Radler at Oklahoma. The man's a beast. Uh, last year, they kind of like, they were a very young team last year. So like, you know, there's a lot of hype with him, and he kind of came out the gate in Oklahoma in general, kind of struggled a little bit. But the way they finished has a lot of people super excited for Oklahoma and Spencer Radler. Last year was his first year starting. He threw for a little over 3,000 yards, 67 completion percentage, 28 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Um, he ran the ball a little bit. He had six rushing touchdowns, which is impressive, but only for 160 yards. So it's not like he was an insane dual threat quarterback, uh, but definitely can score some touchdowns with his feet. He's a guy who's special. His like just his like the way he throws the football is just beautiful. I'm gonna be honest with you. He has a beautiful deep ball. He's you know really good accurate. Uh, he's a very very accurate passer. Great anticipation in the pocket. Uh, he's probably gonna be the number one overall quarterback. You know, or the number one overall pick next year, and definitely the number one quarterback. Um, He's insane. I think he put up a big year, especially in Oklahoma and that offense and everything they're able to do. So I have Spencer Rattler, uh, clearly number one. Um, I just think it's, I think he should be the favorite. Everybody has him as the favorite and I personally wouldn't bet it against them. Uh, I just think Oklahoma and the way they ended last year and like, especially the way they manhandled Florida in a bowl game. Uh, there's a lot of optimism for Oklahoma and everything they can do. So I'm not betting against him. And uh, Oklahoma or Spencer Rattler, I think he's going to put up a monster numbers, and I think he should be the Heisman. Uh, he should be the Heisman favorite. But that being said, those are my top five Heisman favorites. Now to the dark horses. At number five, we're going to. I'm telling you, when I say dark horses, it's people who may not even believe me. Quinn Ewers, Ohio State, the quarterback who just signed a deal where he's about to get roughly. $1.4 million deal. Ohio State early enrollee quarterback signs NIL deal with athlete autograph giant, GTSM. Um, basically, he's agreed to sign autographs for three years, and he's about to get a bunch of money. Now, he's a, you know he, can't, he transferred to Ohio State late, obviously. Other people have a leg up on him. But if he potentially can work his way in a starter, potentially get in there, 
And, and this is why I have him at number five, because it's a strict dark horse. I don't even know if he's going to win the starting job, but he is very, very talented. There's a reason people are willing to give him this much money right now. He's, he, was a, he was a number one ranked recruit coming out. Um, you know, he was supposed to be the number one ranked recruit coming out this year, but he rolled early. Loads of potential, especially in Ohio State's offense where they have two, like, they probably have the two best wide receivers in all college football on, on their team, you know. Like, he's just in the same amount of targets, especially in Ohio State offense where everything's spread, everything's open. You know, you're just going to be able to score at will. Um, if he's able to win that starting job, definitely could, you know, win the Heisman for sure. Like, he legit has, it could be in a great opportunity uh, to present, that could present itself with the elite talent they have, with two of the best wide receivers in the country. And, like, I'm not saying, like, two of the best, like, oh, yeah, like, out of five, you know, the top five wide receivers, Ohio State probably has two of them. It's like if you're talking about the best wide receivers in college football, Alabama has the first and Alabama has the second. Like, uh, sorry, not Alabama. Ohio State has the number one wide receiver and the number two wide receiver in the nation. It is insane. Um, so I definitely think he can put up some big numbers. So I'm really high on him. Number four, Matt Carroll, Ole Miss. Um, I like him and Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's an offensive genius, in my opinion. And Matt Carroll, you know, had the opportunity to shine last year. And boy, did he shine. Uh, I don't know. I'm not hearing a lot of pre-draft hype about him this year coming out. But definitely should be there. Um, I think he's really special. Last year, he threw for... Uh, 3,400 yards, 70, 70, basically 71 uh, completion percentage for 29 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. So he did get, he did throw a little bit of interceptions, but he also ran for 506 yards and four touchdowns. So he does offer a little bit of that dual threatness, uh, like dual threat position at the quarterback position. Um, very talented, especially with Lane Kiffin and how smart he is offensively. Almost any quarterback in a Lane Kiffin system, I would say, definitely has Heisman potential because he is a really smart offensive minded coach. I don't know if they're going to necessarily have the wins that some people might like to see out of a Heisman winner. Um, but again, that didn't stop uh, Tim Tebow from winning it in 2007 when the Gators, I think, were like 7-6 and six or whatever. So that shouldn't stop Matt Carroll, in theory, if Ole Miss doesn't have the greatest year, but he puts up ridiculous numbers. Um, I mean, it will be a dual threat with Lane Kiffin and what he can do offensively. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes another step up this year. Uh, definitely could probably hear his name. Uh, by the time this is over with some first-round uh, consideration in the NFL draft next year, like he's that talented, he is that skilled, and in Lane Kiffin's offensive genius mind that he has, I would not bet against Matt Carroll. So that's why I have him at number four. At number three, I'm going to go Emory Jones out of Florida. Um, all right, sorry about that. My podcast randomly cut off. Uh, but as I was saying, Heisman favorites, uh, dark horses. So at number three on my dark horse list, I have Emory Jones. Um, I'm a really big fan of Emory Jones this year in Dan Mullen's offense. Uh, this is a true quarterback that actually thrives in a Dan Mullen system. Um, you saw Kyle Trask put up ridiculous numbers last year in Florida's offense. I don't think it's in, I don't think it's impossible for Emory Jones to do the same, but it's going to be different. He's dual threat, so it's going to be a lot more balanced with him having an, an insane amount of running yards and his passing yards. Obviously, not going to be super high. I would say realistically, maybe three thousand. 3,500 is going to be the most, but realistically, I would say it's going to be closer to like the 3,000 marker. But rushing yards, I wouldn't be surprised if he has 700 or above um, because he is that dynamic as a dual threat quarterback. And this is a true Dan Mullen system, you know, that's going to have like the right quarterback in it. He was able to adjust for Kyle Trask and everything, but this is the ideal quarterback he'd want in his system. You know, you looked at what Prescott did and what Prescott numbers he put up at Mississippi State. I would say Emory Jones could probably put up similar numbers to what he did. Um, 
So I don't think it's crazy for Emory Jones to be considered a, like in the Heisman discussion, especially when everything's, you know, by the end of the season, everything's done and over with. Uh, he does have that ability. Now, again, Florida did lose a lot of talent to the NFL draft, especially at the like, receiving core, uh, like Kyle Pitts being the big one, obviously. But because I do think he has, he can use his legs and be very good, uh, very good dual athlete with the ability to run the ball and throw the ball, I don't think it's crazy to put him up there as a potential uh, dark horse favorite uh, or potentially even a Heisman favorite by the whole, like by the time the season's over because he does have that potential to be very special and have a really big year in a Dan Mullins offense. At number two, uh, I have C.J. Stroud, an Ohio State quarterback, again, who does uh, he's never played yet. Um, and I know I do have two Ohio State quarterbacks my dark horse favorites, so I'm not going to spend too much time on him because the same reasons I have him at number two is why I have um, Quinn Ewers at five. It's who he has around him. It's Ohio State's system spread out. It's going to be insane. They have the two best wide receivers in the country. Um, you know, like their spread offense, everything they can do and how dynamic they can be. It's just going to be truly special. Uh, you know, and whoever's the quarterback there is going to put up big numbers. Uh, I have him at number two just because as of right now he has a starting job. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to lose it by any means, but I'm just super high on Ohio State's offense potential to put up a Heisman favorite this year. That's why I put their two best quarterbacks in Ohio State because I know they're really high on uh, Quint Ewers as well, even though he was a late addition to the offseason and everything because, you know, he early enrolled a year earlier than expected. But they're obviously high on him for a reason. Uh, that's why, he, you know, like he enrolled early and that's why he was the number one recruit that was supposed to be in this year's recruiting cycle. But CJ Stroud can put up big numbers on Ohio State's offense. Um, again, you haven't seen him play at the college level yet. Uh, so there is reason to kind of think maybe he could, you know, maybe not do the best. But I personally think he's going to put up big numbers. Uh, I really like him. You know, he's a big-time recruit as well. Uh, and just everything Ohio State has to offer, um, their quarterback with all the elite weapons they have, good offensive line, you know, easy, easier teams in my opinion. I mean, like Penn State, Michigan is not going to be too bad. But just Ohio State's offense always puts up ridiculous numbers. So that's why I just think they're going to keep the tradition going with uh, C.J. Stroud. And at number one, uh, my number one dark horse quarterback is Derek King out of Miami. He is elite. Now, I know a lot of people are going to think like, oh, he should be considered a favorite. And I really wanted to put him at the favorite. The only reason I have a dark horse is because I think a lot of people are 50-50 mixed on how he's going to come back, you know, pre-ACL injury. How much of a dual threat is he really going to be? Uh, still, like, is he going to come back fully healthy? Is he going to be more of just a, you know, maybe more of a pocket passer, not really run a lot? So that's why I have him as a dark horse because there's a lot of questions still with him and him coming back from injury. He goes against Alabama week one, you know, says he's fully healthy by then. So this Saturday, you're going to see him against Alabama and their defense and everything. So it's going to be a true test to really see how much, you know, how good he is, how, how like, healthy he feels coming back from the ACL, how he's going to look. So I, I think this is going to be a big indication on how his year could go and why you know, he could potentially be a Heisman favorite or why he could potentially, you know, you know, just kind of be an okay quarterback. I do think the ACL injury could hamper him a little bit with his dual threat ability, but he has put up really good numbers in the past. So there is no reason to think he can't continue to do it. Uh, I mean, last year in Miami, he looked really well. He had 50, uh, 538 rushing yards for four touchdowns. And then he threw for 2,600 for 23 touchdowns and five interceptions. But you could potentially, like, his best year was obviously 2018 when he played for Houston, where he ran for 674 yards with 14 touchdowns and threw for almost 3,000 yards with 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. Now, that was his best year by far, and I don't know if he's going to get to that with his 
because of the ACL injury. But that's him at his best. And obviously, Houston's a lot different than Miami playing against different, like, better defenses, better teams and everything. The talent's different. But he, he has shown that potential on why he can be a Heisman favorite. And I, I, I don't want to bet against him because he just, he seems like he's, you know, remarkable, you know, remarkable person, you know, hard worker, dedicated. If anybody can overcome an injury like that, I think he can be, like, I just think he's truly special. Um, so that's why I have him as my number one dark horse favorite right now because if he comes back from the ACL injury, like, 100%, he can put up big numbers. And, like, he can easily be the best dual-threat quarterback in the country. And being a great dual-threat quarterback is great for Heisman winners. I mean, you've seen a lot of dual-threat quarterbacks win the Heisman Trophy. Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, Lamar Jackson. Like, dual-threat quarterbacks are the way to go for Heisman winners. And I think if him, him at his best in Miami could lead them to a very successful season if he starts going off – it's going to be hard not to, you know, it's going to be hard not to want to give him a Heisman, especially if he's put up, putting up ridiculous numbers, which he very well can. But again, big question marks with him because of ACL injury and everything. Uh, so going against Alabama, though, that's a hard test. Uh, you can kind of see how comfortable he maybe feels with that ACL injury, depending on how much he's willing to run or what design quarterback runs they may have for him. But that being said, that's what, that's all I got for you guys today. Um, next, uh, next podcast on Friday, we're going to continue the college football train, uh, going, I'm going to talk about, you know, my favorite teams, uh, this year going into college football season. And I'm going to talk about, you know, the big games that are happening and who I think is going to win and who could be on potential upset alert. Uh, I'm really excited. There's so many big time games coming up this Saturday. So I can't wait to talk to you guys about it. Um, uh, but this being said, don't forget to email me at uh, questionspire@yahoo.com with your sports questions. I love to get some feedback. I love to, you know, answer some sports questions and, you know, in my segment, uh, answer your guys' questions and, you know, just, you know, give it back to you guys because you guys are remarkable. Um, but that being said, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and uh, stay tuned for Friday's podcast because it's going to be a good one. Take care.